power of love is really the power of God's love. The power of the love of God. The power of the love of God. Father God, I just ask that you speak to us today and help us to commit to your love. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says, Now abides faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of all of these, these three, the greatest of these is love. Why is that? Because the Bible says God is love. God is a God of faith. God is a God of hope. But God is not faith. God is not hope. But God is love. The Bible says in Song of Solomon, verse eight, chapter 8, verse 6, it says, Love is as strong as death. Love is as strong as death. Now, I believe personally, the love of God is stronger than death. The love of Jesus in a man's heart is stronger than death. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, beginning from verse 35. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress, shall famine, shall nakedness, shall peril, or sword? As it is written, the Bible says, For your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. That's the believer. Paul said that. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. We are killed all day long. Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Paul said, I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angel nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth shall be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. You see, the love of God is stronger than death. Death cannot separate us from the love of God. When you have the love of God in your heart, the love of God compels you to obey God and to live for God. And if you have to die, you are willing to give your life for God. You know, in, in, in Acts chapter 21, Paul was going, into, uh, going back to Jerusalem 
and he stopped in Caesarea to visit with the evangelist Philip. And he went into Philip's house. And Philip had three daughters that prophesied. And while he was at Philip's, uh, Philip's house fellowshipping, the prophet Agabus came in. And he got a hold of Paul's apron and wound it around his hands. And he said, the man who owns this apron, when you get to Jerusalem, this is what's going to be done to you. And everybody they understood what was going to happen to Paul in Jerusalem. And so they started weeping. And they started crying. And Paul looked at them. And in verse 13 he says, what do you mean? By weeping and breaking my heart. I am ready. Say with me, I'm ready. I am ready. Not only to be bound, but to die at Jerusalem. I'm ready to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Love, the love of God is stronger than death. When you love God, you're not afraid of death. In John chapter 1, uh, 1 John chapter 4 verse 18, the Bible says, There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear in love. Because fear involves torment. But the one who fears is not been made perfect in love. When there is fear, the love of God is not being perfected in your heart. There is no fear in love. When you love God, death is nothing. You are willing to let it go. You are willing to let life go. You are willing to let God be God in your life. Nothing disturbs you. Love, the love of God, the power of the love of God. Love is stronger than death, than life. No distress, not a little distress can move me from the love of God. Not nakedness, not farming. Nothing. No other creature can separate us from the love of God. You know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They loved God. And that king, Nebuchadnezzar, he had his idol and said to them, Now I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you, we're going to hear some music. And you got to, after the music, you need to bow and, and worship. And, and, and if you don't worship my God, I'm telling you, I'm going to put you in that furnace. And, and I'll see what God's going to deliver you. They said, look, look, king, we're not ready to even talk to you about that. We won't even address that matter. The God that we serve, he is able to deliver us from your fires. We're not careful to answer you about on this issue. We're not going to discuss it. We're not bowing. If it's dead, we're ready to die. When you love God, love is stronger than death. The love of God is stronger than distress. The love of God is stronger than the little pain. When there is true love, 
in your heart for God. We're not going to discuss that. The children of Israel were afraid of Goliath. They were running away. When he walked close, they all ran. And David came and saw him. Tall giant, nine feet tall man. And he was defying, shaming the armies of the Most High God. And David, with the love of God inside of him, said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine to defy the armies of God? He said, You're going to die, boy. You're going to die today, boy. I'm telling you, you're going to die. He had no fear. The others were afraid. But he had been made perfect in love. He lost his fear of death. And he went in. No armor. But God was with him. And he brought down the Goliath. The love of God knows no fear. The power of God's love in our hearts. So many scriptures about how God has worked with people that loved him. Daniel, he had with the king, Darius. They had about 50 satraps, they called them. They were like people that represented the king around all his kingdom. And Daniel was one of three governors. And they were jealous of him because the king was thinking, I'm going to turn everything over to Daniel. I'm going to turn over everything, the whole kingdom. I'm going to turn everything over to Daniel. And the satraps were really afraid, the governors. And the satraps, all of them were afraid. And so they, trapped, they set a trap for Daniel. And they tried everything. He didn't work. And he said, there is nothing. You can't catch this man in any trap. You can't bring any accusation against him. If you get him, you got to get him concerning his God. That's his only weakness. May God baptize me with that weakness today in Jesus' name. I want that weakness. If you can trap him, you trap him in matters concerning his God. That's the love of God. May the Lord baptize you with that kind of love in Jesus' name. And so they deceived the king. And he had a decree that he himself couldn't reverse. If you don't, if you pray to any other God or any man, make petition to anybody, but the king in a month will throw you into the lion's den. And the king, who wouldn't like that? Everybody's looking to me. He wasn't thinking. Daniel was his friend. So he set up the decree. And he said, the same day, as soon as Daniel heard that decree, today we are able to go to church. Nobody's going to kill us for going to church. Nothing. We're free to worship God. And yet people can wake up in the morning and get ready to go to the house of God. People don't pray. He said, as soon as Daniel heard that, as before, he says, as his man of words, he prayed three times daily. I guess I got my three times daily. <laughs> That's my three. <laughs> he prayed three times. He went back, opened this window towards the tabernacle, 
and started praying. Knowing what will happen to him. He didn't care about it. As far as he was concerned, if I have to die, let me die. Esther said, if I die, let me die. For the honor of my God and the people of my God, if I have to die, I'm going to die. Love is stronger than death. The love of God in your heart is stronger than death. You know, God has prepared the best. He has separated the best for those that love him. The best of God. They are reserved for those who love him. God, Jesus said, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. When it's all over, the only thing that will be is the kingdom of God. And God says, for those that love him, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. To them that are without, those that don't love God, it's just like a parable to them. Fairy tale. Don't make any sense. You stupid. Why do you listen to that stupid preacher? You crazy. You nuts. His foolishness, the Bible says in First Corinthians chapter 2. They can never understand it. Paul said in First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. I has not seen, nor ear heard. Nor have it entered, in, uh, entered into the hearts of men, of men. The things that God has reserved, set aside for those who love him. God has said great things. And he said the spirit of God has been sent to us to reveal these things, these mighty deep things of God that God has reserved for those who love him. These things are reserved for only those that love him. If you read in Psalm 91, beginning from verse 14, 14, he says, Because he has set his love upon me. When you set your love upon God, God will deliver you. No matter what you are going through in life, when you set your love upon God, he will deliver you. He will set you up on high. Because you have known his name. Amen. Just because you have known his name and you set your love upon him, he will set you up there. He will promote you, lift you up. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we serve. Nobody can bring you down. He said, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. So every time, if you are a lover of God, every time you call on God, He hears you. No matter what's going on in your life, when you call on Him in difficulty, because the love of God is in your heart, He hears you. He shall call upon me and I will answer Him. He says, I will be with Him in trouble. I will deliver Him. When you are going through whatever you are going through as a lover of God, the power of God's love in your heart. When No matter what you are going through, you are not going through it alone. God is going with you because you love Him. You are not alone. 
You can never be alone. Jesus said, I'll never leave you alone. Never. You can never walk this life alone if you have accepted the love of God into your heart. Never. Never happen. He shall call upon me and I'll answer him. I'll deliver him. I'll honor him. I'll be with him in trouble. I'll deliver him. I'll honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. God will show you his salvation. He has reserved the best for those that love him. The best of God is reserved for those that love him. Now, what we must know is that this love we are talking about is not natural love. This is supernatural love. It's the love of God. We don't have it here on earth. came from heaven. And the carrier of that love is the Holy Spirit. A man cannot love God on his own. You can't just make up your mind, I'm going to love God. <laughs> you can't see him. Amen. You can't just make up your mind. This is love that comes into your heart when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. A new creation comes into your life. You become a different person and God implants in you the love of God that's going to lift you up through life. In Romans chapter 5, verse 5, it says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts. How? By the Holy Spirit. The love of God has been poured into our hearts. How? By the Holy Spirit that's given to us. Love is a spirit. The love of God is a spirit. And you, it, that only comes into your life when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you still have doubts about it, you cannot have the love of God. And only those with the love of God will see him face to face. Doesn't come through good works. <laughs> he comes through humbling yourself and realizing that Jesus Christ of Nazareth died for your sins. And you bow your head and say, God, I need you, Jesus. I want you in my life. And when you do that, the Holy Spirit will come into your heart. At that instant, you know the love of God. And what follows after is joy. I remember when I got saved newly, everything was beautiful. I was seeing the world with, a, with different eyes. How come I didn't notice all of this? Everybody was beautiful. Man, I could kiss it. Oh, wonderful. The joy that comes into you. If you don't know it, you see, until you taste it, you will know what we're talking about. <laughs> Those that have tasted, they know what we're talking about. But you can taste of that today. Amen. You can actually experience that today. Paul said to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he says, God did not give, give us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, 
have a sound mind. You know what that word means? Sound mind? Wisdom. Wisdom. When you truly love God, He gives you wisdom. In 1 Kings 3 verse 3, he says, Solomon loved God. He loved the Lord, his God. And what was the result of it? Great wisdom. He became the wisest man that's ever lived. Apart from our Lord Jesus Christ. When you love God. When you truly love God. So how do I know whether or not I love God? Let me put it this way. Many times the disciples, they asked for boldness from God. Do you remember? They asked him, God, give us boldness. God's answer was always the Holy Spirit baptism. He said, God, I want to preach the gospel. God, give me the power to preach the gospel. You know what his answer will be? The Holy Spirit baptism. Because he is the carrier of the love of God. And the love of God is power. Love never fails. Love will never fail. So how do I know if I truly have the love of God in my heart? How do I know that? I'm glad you asked. I guess you all know that was coming, huh? <laughs> In First John, chapter five, verse three, it says, "For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous, or they are not burdensome." This, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. When what God asks you to do begins to become a burden in your life, your love level for God is low. When God's commandment to you personally or corporately begins to become a burden for you, a source of trouble and discomfort for you, and you have to walk around it sometimes, your love level is low. For this is love that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. They are not burdensome. When God tells you to go out and win souls, get excited about it because it's not a grievous thing. It's going to bring goodness into your life. God's commanding you. You love him and you do it. The love of God empowers you to obey him. That's what Paul meant. He says, I believe that's 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 14. He says, the love of God compels us 
we are compelled by the love of God to keep obeying. Even though I'm feeling this discomfort. Even though there is pain. Even though these people are saying things about you. You still want to obey him because of the love of God. It compels you to be obedient to him. He's not burdensome to you. Even in mockery, he's not burdensome. Because you have the love of God, you feel the pain, and as they reject you, it, 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 it oppresses you, you feel bad, but then you stand up, there's something driving you inside. You still find yourself going into the house of God. And you're like, David, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of God. I was glad. Pain and all of that, the distress, they find in a little famine here and there. But you have the love of God. It compels you. It empowers you. When you receive the Holy Spirit into your life, the love of God compels you to do what is right. And when it begins to become a burden, your love level for God is low. Jesus puts it this way. You have left your first love. You know that scripture? You left your first love. He says, repent and go back to the things that you used to do. Because now the, the, the work of God is becoming a burden for you. Going to church is a burden. Praying is a burden. It's hard to forgive. In John 14. Believe verse 21 there. Jesus said, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. He who has my commandments and is keeping the commandments, that's the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. If you love me, Jesus, if you love Jesus, my Father in heaven will love you. And Jesus said, I also will love you. And I will reveal, I will manifest myself to you. I will reveal myself to you. I will show you who the Son of God really is. You know, Jesus never showed himself to everyone. It was a mystery to them. But I remember the guy who was blind. You remember the guy who, John chapter 9, he was born blind. You remember the story? And Jesus healed him. And they threw him out because he stood his ground. He said, you guys, you're telling us this man is not of God. You taught us yourself that if a man is not of God, God doesn't walk through him. If he were not of God, how could he open my eyes? You tell me. They threw him out. You're going to teach us you were altogether born in sin. Get out of our midst. And he said, Jesus found him. Jesus found him. Jesus, he's never, he had never set eyes on the Lord. When Jesus touched his eyes, he was still blind. He didn't know who did it. But Jesus knew he had been kicked out from the church. <laughs> That's our kind of church. <laughs> uh, and Jesus found him. In some churches, it's better to kick you out. Amen? <laughs> Let them kick you out. It's better. You'll find Jesus there. 
Maybe he's not, they've kicked him out as well. But Jesus found him and asked him, he said, do you believe in the Son of God? Do you believe? And the man said, who is he? And Jesus told him, he said, who is he so that I can believe? Jesus said, he's the one that you're seeing, connecting the eye, the one that you heard and the one that you're seeing. The guy fell down and worshipped. He knew the voice. Amen? He knew the voice that told him. Now he could see the one who healed him. And he knew this was the son of God. He worshipped him. Jesus revealed himself to this man. He wouldn't reveal himself to the Pharisees. He wouldn't. When you love God, there's nothing that's too difficult for you to do. The love of God compels you. Obedience is the number one thing. Nothing's too hard. The second thing is giving. Your giving is going to determine whether you love God or not. Terry, I believe, I read from Second Corinthians chapter 8. And talked about the Macedonian church. How out of their poverty, they dug deep. They were, they were poor, but they were willing to give. And they were pleading with Paul and the others. They said, please, Paul, we know you are aware of our difficulties, but we still want you to receive our, our offering from, from us. Take, receive our offering. They went beyond and Paul said, they first gave themselves to the Lord. And then they gave themselves to the preacher. But they also gave their offering. And Paul says, you remember the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that he was rich. But for your sake, he became poor. That you might become rich. It's so important. You're giving. And then we went, if you go back down to verse 8, he says, Paul says, I'm not trying to force you to give. I'm trying to prove the quality of your love for God. I'm trying to prove the quality of your love for God. To know if you truly have the love of God. If you have the love of God in you, you are empowered to obey Him, but you are also empowered to give. For God so loved the world that He gave. When you love, you give. And you don't complain when you give. True love. You give freely. Out of a heart of joy. You don't give and you keep reminding the fellow about how much you really love. True love always gives. There is a grace of giving. He comes with the love of God. It's the grace that comes through the Holy Spirit in your life. 
If we're struggling in any of these areas, what we need to do is ask God to fill us again with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit of God because He will give us power to obey Him. He will give us power to do the witnessing that we, uh, ought, we ought to do. Reaching out for souls and not making excuses. When it's time to go to Calvary, we're ready to go to Calvary. When it's time to give for, to the ministry for Calvary, we're ready to give. Because we love God. We love God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7 and 8, it says, But as you abound in everything, how many things are you abounding in as a child of God? As you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. What grace is he talking about? The grace of giving to the house of God. To the things of God. To giving to other people. You know, I thank God. My wife gives. And I see I just give to people. That's wonderful. That's a joy. You give both to God and to relieve people who are suffering. That's why I agree with Terry. Poverty is not for us. We have to take care of those that I need. And when the love of God is in us, we see the need and the pain and we have the ability we want to do something. And we do do something. And when we can't do something, we feel the pain inside. God, I wish I could do something. I mean, it's felt that way. That's the love of God in your heart. You want to give. If God bless me, I'll do this for this person. And when you have a heart like that, God is found different. Because God wants to put it through you to reach out to those that he loves. The Lord told me, I want you, as you go, you see things, maybe places, but more the people, my people, that I love so much. I thank God for every one of you. Amen? You are a blessing to me. That God has put us together is a blessing to me. Amen? You are a blessing to my life. These are the people that he truly loves. And I have to be careful the way I treat them, the way I handle them. Delicate, loved by God, but with the precious blood. When you have something precious in your home, don't you put it in a special place? And you don't want it to fall down? You don't want anyone to go? Now, these are people that Jesus bought with his precious blood. I must treat them with true love and care. Delicately. Amen? That's why the Bible says, by this, and I'll close with this, shall men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Love one another just as I have loved you. In the same quality of love that I have loved you. Amen? Stand up with me this morning.
all heads bow. Do you have the love of God in your heart? Are you bitter? As somebody, oh God, some people can be bitter at God. That's not a, that's not a place to go. <laughs> that means you don't have real understanding. That's not to insult you. That's just to state the fact. May God open your eyes so you see that he truly loves you. And that everything that is happening in your life, he is working for your good. All things work together for good to them that love God. You love God, is working for your good regardless. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. You're here this morning and you say, I want to know the love of God. That's you. That's me. I want to know the love of God. I want to know the true sense of the love of God in my heart. That's what I want to know. I want nothing else. I just want that pure love of God in my heart. If that's you, put your hand up quickly and put it back down. Let me see your hand up. Quickly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, you saw those hands. I ask that you baptize them with your love. I'm going to digress a little bit because I feel led to do that. If you're sick in your body, please put your hand where you're hurting. If you're sick in your body this morning, put your hand where you're hurting. I'm going to pray a short prayer and the pain, whatever it is, is going to go. In the name of Jesus, I ask that you believe and trust God with me because I believe this is where God is leading. He wants to heal you. Father God, in Jesus' name, I rebuke the pain. I rebuke the symptom. I rebuke whatever it is. In the name of Jesus, I command that headache. I command that pain in the stomach. I command the pain, the fever. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. I command every spirit of infirmity to leave the people of God right now. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for healing your people. I know your word will not return to you void. You are the same, Jesus, yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, we give you thanks for your great kindness towards us. I'd like you to check yourself because I believe God has healed you. For the rest of us, let's lift our hands up to the Lord this morning. And thank him. Thank him. Thank him. And ask him afresh. I need that. When I read about Paul saying to these people, I'm ready not only to be bound, but to die at Jerusalem for the love of my Lord. I said, God, I need that same baptism that was on Paul. I need that baptism in my life today. Ask God to baptize you with the baptism of his love. The love of God in your heart so that you are willing to lay down your life. If God calls, you're ready to go. You're not holding back. You are not willing anymore. Yesterday is gone. Today is a new day for my life. Today is a new day for your life. 
we will do things in a different way. By the grace of God, Father, I thank you for your great mercy and for your great love. I know that you are in the midst of your people this morning. Touch our hearts, O Spirit of the living God. Touch our hearts, touch our minds. Fill us with the love of Jesus. Give us that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Let our eyes be opened. Give us that spirit of understanding. Take the blinders out so we can see life the way you see it. Thank you, Father, for your great love. God, I bless your people today. May your blessings pursue after them. Come upon them and overtake them. May your goodness and your mercy be their constant companion. In the name of Jesus. Day in, day out. Forever. Thank you, Father, for your great love. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. God bless you. We're dismissed.